Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, January 12th edition of the Basement Academy. As we wrap up our first week of being back in the studio together, the Basement Studio, and our first week of reflecting on generation to generation, I want to thank you for your attention to this little platform. Talked to a number of you recently, and uh, thank you for your encouragement. Uh, I find this a joy. And it seems as if a number of you are finding this to be a helpful experience as well. And so I'll try to be focused and sharp always. And today in particular, I, I really love what we're going to talk about. But as always, let's begin with a morning psalm. One of my favorites, maybe you like it too, Psalm 42. This is for the director of music, a song of the sons of Korah. They were the early worship leaders in Israel. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. actually going to sing the song based on that on Sunday, As the Deer uh, Pants for the Waters. All right, <clears throat> let's, let's dive back to generation to generation, and I want to reflect this morning on, on a variety of passages. I won't read them all, I'll just make reference, but it's essentially the Torah. The, the five books of Moses is commonly how we think of the Torah, the Pentateuch. And so we've already seen Genesis, this, this Genesis foundation, that this Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the 12 sons of Jacob, right? So you've got these four generations, God's call to a, a person, a promise, a covenant, this generational reality that God's plan of salvation, his plan to redeem the world that has rebelled against him is to work relationally, to work within the context of a family, Abraham's family, and through that one family to bless the families of this earth. 
And then um, looking uh, at the Exodus uh, burning bush story where God reveals himself to, to Moses as I am who I am. And this is the name by which I will be remembered forever from generation to generation. So God wants us to understand his name, the, this timeless one who's outside of the generations that pass. God is outside of all that, but blessing and calling and redeeming each generation. And so uh, in Torah, we have God's generational purposes revealed. In Genesis and Exodus, again, I just, I'll just read that. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. And so, again, Moses is hundreds of years, living hundreds of years after Abraham, okay? So, so the, 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 the knowledge of God and the, and the sense of being God's people, Abraham's family, has been kept alive through several generations at this point that, that Moses has brought onto the scene. Okay, so that, that's uh, Exodus chapter 3. <clears throat> We know the story. I won't re re recite it for you or read it, but God sends Moses to Pharaoh. The plagues come and, and they, are, uh, they, they leave, right? They're, they're, they're delivered. The last of the plagues is the death of the firstborn. And so God instructs Moses, take a blood of an unblemished lamb and sprinkle it over the doorposts of your homes so tonight, when the angel of death comes, he will pass over those homes that have been sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb, a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Those who embrace his blood, they are passed over for judgment. They are saved. They are delivered. And so the Passover is this remembrance, this lasting ordinance that shall be remembered for generations. And so in uh, Exodus chapter 12, uh, we have that language. And so the Passover meal, that night is to be commemorated. And so to this day, our Jewish friends keep Passover. Orthodox faithful Jews do. Now, it was that Passover meal that was transformed by Jesus into what we know as communion. So in a sense, it's the same meal. It's just been reinterpreted. Instead of doing this in remembrance of Moses and the great deliverance that took place there, do this now in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So a ritualized meal helps keep alive the story through the generations. Uh, in Exodus chapter 16, God has, so they're now out, they've, they've gotten out, they've gone through the Red Sea, and now they're out in the wilderness. Well, gee, uh, problem is, you know, we don't have crops that we can harvest and, you know, mill down and bake into bread. And so God begins to provide for them manna, this, this mysterious <laughs> substance that shows up on the ground. And so God provides for them. And so uh, Moses is instructed to take uh, uh, some of that and to keep it as a remembrance. Now, 
The other manna is to, you know, um, evaporates as it were after one day, kind of turns to worms. <clears throat> but God miraculously preserves this, and 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 so this this uh, omer of manna is to be kept. This vial or this jar is to be kept as a remembrance to the generations that God provided. Okay, so there's this bread. So I think this connects a little bit with the Passover meal. Now we have this other remembrance, again, both of which point forward to uh, our experience of communion. But this language, um, maybe I'll just read that for you since that's probably a less familiar passage. Exodus 16, so Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. <clears throat> and so this remembrance that Hey Moses, we're going to part. We're going we're to leave the scene at some point, but we're going to want this this story, this reality of God's miraculous provision for us to be uh, kept alive for the generations to come. And then they get to <clears throat> um, Mount Sinai, and there they have the opportunity. God, uh, Moses goes up and receives the Ten Commandments, and one of the commandments about making idols uses generational language in it. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. And so this language of generational transmission, okay, and that's, this is important. So the, the call in the context of the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is for true worship. Do, do not worship the idol. Don't, don't make the graven image, but worship God alone. And then a warning. It's just no, no way to see it other than that. It, it is a warning <clears throat> that if, if, if there's a family that chooses to turn away and hate me and, and, and bows down to idols, and sadly, as we read more of the story, that happens in Israel, right? It's an expression of hatred of God. Idolatry is a rejection. It's not love of God. It is, it is a rejection of God. And for those who grow up in families that turn away from God, that worship the idols, that forsake uh, the truth and the commandments and the instruction of God, there are consequences. Humans are patterned beings. There, there's, there's patterns to our behavior. And so if you grow up in a home we, we know this in other contexts. If you grow up in an abusing home, the, the, you, you've been affected by that abuse, you may be abusive. <laughs> you grow up in an alcoholic home, you may struggle with alcohol, okay? E even if you don't, you're reacting to it and there are certain kind of behaviors and attitudes and ways of, uh, of being. <clears throat> and so there's this warning that just as a blessing tumbles through the generations, even to a thousand generations, right? That's, we're supposed to hear that. There was this warning that 
brokenness, sin, rejection of God has consequences. And growing up in such a home, if the if children are not instructed in the ways of God, then they will default to you know their sinful nature and their selfish nature. So very important. I'll probably loop back to this uh, in coming days. How we get to the book of um, Leviticus, and uh, I won't read all the passages there, but there we have the sacrificial system and the offerings. And so the priesthood, the Levites, who are keeping tabernacle worship. And so grain offerings and fellowship offerings and the like uh, are, are spoken of there as a memorial or remembrance to the generations, a witness to the generations. So, so sacrifice, bringing the fruit of our labor, um, be it uh, the, 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 the labor of the field uh, with, with uh, grain offerings or the labor of the flock with sacrificial offerings, okay, of, of animals. And so these ritualized actions, it costs us. And if you recall our, our study on tithing last summer, we talked about that. God would have us learn to depend on him. And so we labor, present to him in gratitude, and we learn to live in dependence on God. And so the, the sacrificial system has this generational language, these ritualized actions the children watching the parents bring offerings to the Lord teaches the children of sacrifice, of priorities, uh, and the like. So that, that's how I would say that. Uh, we get to the book of Numbers, and there uh, we have the recitation of the, the festivals that are to be kept. The Feast of Passover is, is uh, uh, brought up again. Uh, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. Um, we still celebrate that a little bit, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit was given after the Passover. So Christ dies on Passover weekend and then and, and, and is raised. And then 50 days later, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And so following that same Jewish calendar, and so for centuries, for generations, the people of God were faithful to keep these festivals. Uh, the, the, the Day of Atonement, uh, and also the, the the Feast of Tabernacles. Each of these in, in Numbers chapter 23, uh, the book of Numbers uh, chapter 23, are spoken of as being witnesses or memorials for the generations or to the generations. And so these are to be kept, these ritualized actions that remember the activity of God in redemption. There's often a passage of, of the readings associated and then ritualized actions that were uh, to be engaged in. And so, once again, so through Torah, now, now we've got, you know, instruction how to remember, keep alive the name of God, which is to be um, remembered for generations. And then let me wrap up here, uh, and this is really what we're going to talk about on Sunday. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, so I'll maybe save the, the guts of this for, for Sunday morning. And so uh, the, the book of Deuteronomy now, they've gone through the wilderness. We're at the end of the 40 years. A generation has died, right? Those, those who did not believe that God could lead them into the promised land. They listened to the 10 spies who went to spy the land uh, and, and they said, oh, we're like grasshoppers and they're like giants. But two faithful spies, 
uh, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. God promised he'll be with us. We can go take the land. The people listened to the 10. They refused to go in. That generation died. And so the 40 years of wilderness kind of represents that, that generational time frame. So the Ten Commandments are restated in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. Then in chapter 6, we read this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Do you hear that generational language? You, your children, and their children after them. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so this call to instruct the children. As you get into this land, don't think that's the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. God's purpose was to get you in the land. He promised that centuries ago to, to Father Abraham. And so now you're coming in the land and you're to live in faithful obedience to the word of God, to the revealed purposes of God. And so this call to instruct the children who will then be able to instruct their children who will be able to instruct their children. And that's that generational call. <clears throat> and so the way the faith stays alive from generation to generation, there are beliefs, but there are behaviors. And so, and so what we have in these scriptures is a community, God's purpose is to call a man, Abraham, make a family, get, give to him a family, and through that family bless all families. And, and so the name of God is to be revered and honored and worshiped and adored and embraced and loved from generation to generation. And the way that happens is instruction, but not just instructing the mind but instructing the heart, impress them. The, these are to be on your hearts. So the, the commands, yeah, be in your mind. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your mind, but with all your heart. And so there's to be an emotional connection where to embody and to embrace and to internalize the word of God so that when we're in situations, we respond out of the heart, out of a heart that has been led and instructed in the proper way to live.
And that's what the Ten Commandments are summarizing. Do not steal, do not kill, uh, um, uh, do, do not um, uh, lie, you know, bear false witness, um, worship, make, make sure there's true worship. And so the Ten Commandments are shaping the, the heart and the mind and the soul and the strength of a people. And so we are to embrace these then we're to impress them on the children. And part of the decrees and commands God gives us is around these, these ritualized actions. So it's not just belief. Oh, I believe in God, but I don't go to church. Well, if you don't go to church, you don't believe in God. Because if you believed in God, you would behave that way. Now, I'm not speaking to those who can't come to church because of illness and watch only from a distance, okay? Uh, that's still going to church in in some manner. Those who neglect the gathered community have neglected the commands of God. And when you neglect the commands of God, when you are not acting, when you are not engaging in the ritualized actions that God calls for, then at some point we cannot say you believe in God. And so belief is always embodied it's embodied in a set of actions, behaviors. So we gather, we hear a call to worship, and so we begin to worship. And in that hour plus that we gather on Sunday mornings, the ritualized action of song, singing hymns that have been handed through the generations, ritualized prayers, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, ritualized statements, the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty. These are statements, these are songs, these are prayers that have been in God's people and been on their lips and shaped their hearts and minds for generations. And then, of course, the ritualized actions of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism stretches really back to the Exodus. It's like going through the waters of the Exodus. It's like remembering the waters of deliverance with Noah. And then communion, of course. So baptism remembers those waters. And communion, of course, remembers the manna. It remembers the Passover. And it remembers the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the broken body and blood. And so the way, so in, in Torah, we see... In, in, in a repeated manner, there is instruction. That there, there are truths that we are to believe. God's actions on our behalf and God's instruction of our life. We're to hear and, and, and understand and then believe. But then we embody our belief in a set of ritualized actions. And this is how God's name is remembered from generation to generation. Where the word of God is not taught and the ritualized actions of the faithful community are not embraced and engaged in. So where God's name is not taught, it cannot be understood and believed. And where the ritualized actions are not engaged in, you will not find faith. You will not find faith (laughs) where the word of God is not taught, the name of God is not lifted up. And of course, now Jesus Christ and the ritualized actions are not practiced, their faith will dissipate, it will disappear, and the name of God will not be remembered. And so it is upon us to instruct our children. I'll tell you more about that on Sunday morning, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you 
for the instruction we have in Scripture. Forgive us when we have failed to engage in all that you have called us to. But we pray that you would take our efforts at instruction of our children and grandchildren, the efforts that we have made in the past, the efforts we will make in the future, and our gatherings. Uh, Keep us more attentive (laughs) to the reality of, of how this is is the manner in which you've called your people to keep uh, the name of God alive and to remember his name forever. And so may it be so, even this Sunday as we gather and worship at Greenwich or the many churches where we uh, attend, Lord, we pray your blessing to renew our church and all churches that the proclamation and the practices of your people would be strong in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together in a ritualized way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you with a joyful gathering of worship this Sunday and in your homes. And may God bless you this day and forevermore. Amen.